we are talking about one of our core values. And these values, as we've been talking about kind of throughout the year, we're going over all of them. They're the things that we kind of hold most dear. They're the, the DNA behind our church. They're the reason why we do what we do and, and how we do it. Um, and they're the, the things that we believe God asked us to be. This is kind of who he set out and said, as a church, this is who I need you to be. He really specified um, what these things were. And we put down 13 of them, things that we valued and we, we don't ever want to get off base on. This is kind of our, our direction as we continue on as a church. So that's what we're talking about uh, today. When I was um, younger, my mom, uh, she ended up kind of going through a, a bout of depression and then ended up actually giving her life to Jesus in a church. And on the back side of that, she started taking uh, me and my sister to church with her. And this is when I was uh, just in grade school. So I, I like to say I didn't grow up in church, but I kind of did, but I didn't because I didn't start there. So I, I was in grade school. My mom uh, gave her life to Jesus, started taking me. It was not long until I um, understood who Jesus was. I started a relationship with him, um, fully believed that I, that I had given my life to Jesus. If I was in that season and would have, my life would have ended, I believe I would have went to heaven. But as I kind of coasted into the years of middle school and early high school, if I'm honest, what happened is, is my, my passion for, for Jesus was subverted by my passion for being popular, being cool, and being successful in my community. Being interesting, being exciting, being looked at well from other guys and other girls in middle school and in high school. And that's really where I put my focus, to be honest with you. Um, I would go to church and I would still say I believe this stuff. And honestly, I think I did, but, but not enough to change the way that I acted here in, in those environments. Um, I wasn't a terrible kid, but, but I, would, I would leverage whatever I could to make sure that, that I would gain popularity, gain acceptance, um, that I would talk myself into those situations. Well, when I turned about 16 years old, it was my uh, end of my sophomore year, I believe, is, if I remember right, um, I had this moment where I realized that I actually believed what I had been saying I believed for a long time. All of a sudden, um, my faith became really, really clear, and I thought, I actually think this is true, and if this is true... It changes everything, and when that happened, I literally did. I changed everything about, but I put Jesus as my, as my, my number one focus, and I let everything else just kind of slide away, to be honest with you. That was always secondary after that. Now, because of kind of what I had set up, it's kind of interesting um, where God ended up taking me through that um, because of what I had already, I guess, built. Um, even though I really refocused my life on Jesus, I still had some really interesting opportunities because I got elected as student body president my senior year, so I got to actually change things about the school which is really cool. And actually, I even got uh, elected or nominated and, and won as the homecoming king in my senior year, which is hilarious. So it's like, even though my, my focus is like, oh, I hate school now. I'm focused on this. I had these crazy, like, things happen. So it was kind of funny because I would think to myself, I'm the guy who says, like, I'm about Jesus. I don't really care about school. How did I get elected homecoming king again? But I think it was because what I had started. But all that being said, when I look back at the years before um, I really got serious about Jesus my, my junior and my senior year. If I'm honest, if I look back at those, you know, seventh grade, eighth grade, um, freshman, sophomore years, um, they kind of they kind of feel like a waste to me. Like when I look at them, I'm kind of embarrassed about them. To be honest with you, if you could go back and you could peek back into my life in those in those years, I would be like, no, please stay out. Don't look. 
Don't look at those because I'm embarrassed of them. I feel like I wasn't living the life I wanted to live. I don't feel like I was even really being me, to be honest with you. Not just that I wasn't doing what God wanted. I don't even think I was doing what I wanted in that, in that season. And I feel like they were years where, if I'm honest, I feel like they were kind of wasted years, lost years. And, and I honestly almost don't even want to remember them because I feel like they were just years that I had thrown away and I had neglected and misused. Now, for most of us, if, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or honestly, even if you, if you don't yet, if you're someone who's here and you're exploring your faith, we have tons of people who come to our church who, who say, I'm not a Christian, uh, I'm not there yet, but what I am doing is exploring my faith, and you're always welcome to be here. That's what this church is, is built for. You would still probably agree there's probably a season in your life, it might be a, a few months, it might be a few years, where if you look back at your life, there's probably a season where you say, I honestly don't really, I almost don't want to even remember those. There was that season, um, that, those months, those years where I wasn't living the way I wanted to. I wasn't doing what I, what I really I hoped for. And to be honest with you, they feel like wasted years. They feel like, like neglected years. Maybe even to be honest with you, those are shameful years. And you think back about them, you don't want to even remember who you were during those years. You're like, that's... Ugh, I don't even want to go back there and see that again. That wasn't who I wanted to be. And what's interesting is almost all of us have these, these seasons in our life, these years that as we look back on them, we would kind of recoil away from them. But they're the things that got us to where we are today. Even though there's these years that we look back on and we would say, oh man, nothing to do with those again. I would never want to relive them. I would never want to re-experience them. They're still part of the story that got you to today. That takes us to our next core value I want to talk to you about today. Acts Church is everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. Here's how we say this. Each and every person has experiences that have shaped who they are. We not only respect that, but we want to hear about it. Stories are what life is all about, and Jesus has a way of dramatically changing our stories. Now, if you've been listening to me talk about these core values, you would know that we didn't just make this up. We got this by looking at God's word, by looking at how Jesus interacted with people, how God interacted with people throughout years and years and years that are detailed in the Bible. And we see this when we look at it. We see how, how Jesus interacted with people and how he treated their story. And I want to show you a few of them. So let's start. There's this, this story in, in John 8. Jesus is teaching. He's hanging out with all these smart religious guys. He's talking to them about these, these great theological conversations. And all of a sudden, I mean, completely unexpected, right? They're sitting there talking about Jesus, just like a situation like this, right? They're all discussing. These men come bursting in, knock open the door, and they throw a woman down in front of Jesus. She's likely partially clothed. And all of a sudden, this scene comes ahead. It says this in John 8, verse 4. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. 
if we can take a step back from this, because we have this tendency to read stories that are in the Bible or read stories that are in books um, kind of at a distance that keeps us um, removed from them. We have a tendency to read these stories almost like with latex gloves on where they can infect us and we don't even experience them. They just read them so one-dimensionally or two-dimensionally. But let's, let's actually take a step back to think about this situation. Can you even fathom the fear the embarrassment and the shame that this woman was going through. Now, I'm not saying that that she's the victim as far as this. I mean, obviously, she had done wrong, and they admit that. They caught her in the act of adultery. She had done something wrong. But that being said, she's, she's ripped out of this situation and thrown down in front of Jesus. Can you imagine the shame of not just you were caught and there's, there's conversation of, oh, well, yeah, I heard she committed adultery. You're literally drug out half-clothed in front of your community and sat there and said, she was caught committing adultery. I can't even imagine the shame and the fear this woman was experiencing. And what's interesting is that Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't condone her sin. It's not that he says, well, it's no big deal, leave her alone. That's not what he says. Because we see in a second, he actually tells her, go and don't do this again. Go and sin no more. Give up this life that you're living because this is not what you actually want. Go and sin no more. But what's interesting is that Jesus doesn't recoil in disgust at this. You notice Jesus doesn't step back and he isn't like, oh, well, yeah, she's a filthy sinner and and this and this. It's interesting because Jesus, he stays right there close to her. And even though he doesn't, you know, like literally stand in front of them, he's basically standing protection between her and these men who want to kill her. I think this reveals something really, really interesting about God. I believe, I believe that God is not afraid of our past. I believe that God isn't afraid of your past. He's not afraid of your past mistakes. He's not afraid of the sin that you have had up in your life until you meet him. Because I think when Jesus looks at people, when God looks at us, he doesn't see who we were or even who we are. He sees who we might be with his help. When Jesus looks at this woman, he defends her. Why does he defend her? Not because she's not a sinner. Yeah, she's a sinner. She's an adulteress. Most likely this wasn't the first time this happened. How did they know to go and get her and to find her? This was probably a situation. Maybe she had done this multiple times, and it was known around the community, and they drug her out here to try to make a point. Jesus isn't saying she's not a sinner, but what he does say is he treats her almost like somebody who has a future. He says, no, no one's going to condemn you. Now go and sin no more. And he sends her off in a new direction. See, I think when God looks at us, he doesn't just see who we are. He sees who we might be with a little bit of work from him. Almost like when, when, when someone wants to redo like an old classic car, right? They'll go out and they'll search and they'll find this old beat up just rust bucket, right? And a whole bunch of people would look at it and go, okay, that's a piece of junk. This garbage, you should throw that away. Call a tow truck, have it towed to the junkyard. But for the person who knows how to do the work, they look at it and they go, oh man, she's beautiful. Do you see that? I mean, do you see the lines of that car? And they say, it's it's rust, it's bondo, it's terrible. No, but you can't see it with a little bit of work. Wow, she would be gorgeous. I think that when Jesus looks at us, when God looks at us, he doesn't see who we are. He sees who we might be if he could just put a little bit of work in our lives. If he says, if I could put my hands on them for a little bit, what they would turn out like, oh man, I can see who they could be. Think about it this way. Jesus had this whole group of disciples who were around him. 
And these men were a mess, to be honest with you. So many of them, I mean, messed up faith. They were guys who were back and forth. They walk with Jesus and they turn away from him. There are people who didn't understand. He'd start teaching them something. Then he'd come back and they'd be arguing about who was the greatest. And you have to yell at him again. I mean, they were just a mess. One of which was named Peter. And Peter was maybe, I don't know, he's like the leader of the people who are messy and just couldn't get it. I mean, he always made a mistake. He always read the situation wrong. And Jesus had to work with him over and over and over again. And towards the end of Jesus' life here on earth, as he was finishing out his days, he knew that he was going to go and be crucified. And he basically called out Peter and told him, when I am betrayed, they're going to ask if you know me, and three times you're going to say that you don't. Three times you're going to deny me and that you even walked with me. When they say, do you know that Jesus? You're going to say, I, I, don't, I don't know him. I don't want anything to do with him. And Peter's just blown away by this. He's like, no way, man. I, I'd, go with you. I'd go with you to death right now. I'd walk into the firing line. I'd stand there right with you. Listen how Jesus talks to him in Luke 22. This is Jesus talking to Peter. He calls him Simon, which is Peter's other name. But listen what he says. I think it's so interesting about how God views people. He says, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked us if each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon. Look at this. Look, look close, okay? That your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Think about this. He says, so when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus is talking about how Peter, very, very soon, you're going to have the opportunity to stand up for me, and you're going to turn away from me. You're going to turn your back on me. You're going to deny me. But what's so interesting is Jesus doesn't talk to him as though he's the betrayer, as though he's the person who turns his back on him. Jesus talks about his future repentance in present terms. Jesus says, you actually, you will turn your back on me. You will deny me three times. But he says, but when you have repented and turned back to me again, then make sure that you build up these brothers. Jesus is talking about who he is. He's treating him of who he will be in the future, talking about his future in present tense. That as Jesus is having the conversation with him, he's not treating him like who he is. He's treating him like who he will become. I think that's amazing. It reveals something about God. Like I'm saying, that, that God isn't looking at us as though who we are today. He's looking at us as who we might become. He's not afraid of our past, but he sees what that future might be. And he treats us like that person who we might be with a little bit of work on his part. Think about it this way, okay? In Romans 8.28, God says this miraculous, miraculous statement. This is like one that people write places. They like put it on their, on their kitchen wall and they, they take and they, they put it on something where they can remember it and repeat it because it's such a powerful verse. Listen to what it says. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You see, I think that when God sees us, he sees what he can do with our mistakes. He sees what he can do with our little bit of faith. He sees what he can do with the little bit of energy we have. It says that he works all things together for the good of those who believe. That when Jesus looks at us, he sees what we might be instead of who we are. Look at the Bible. Throughout the Bible, there are person after person after person after person who are completely messed up. 
I mean, terrible, terrible sins, man, really, really hard things that would keep God from using them. And one after another, God uses them. Look at like this. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Jacob was a liar. Moses stuttered. Samson was promiscuous. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Jonah was a deserter. Peter was a coward. Paul was a hater, and Timothy was too young. Yet God used every single one of them, right? All of them had something that should, should negate them from being used, yet God used them in a mighty way. Why? Because God didn't just see them as who they are or just the past leading up to today. He saw who they might become with a little bit of work, with a little bit of his hand on them, with a little bit of, of elbow grease, right? We believe that God is not afraid of your past. And when he looks at you, he doesn't just see all those things that you've done leading up to today. He sees who you might become, that everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. Let's take a look at Paul. He's on that list, right? Paul the hater. Paul the hater. That's what I would call him. When we get introduced to Paul in the Bible, it is like the worst introduction ever. Ever. Like of all the people who were introduced to in the Bible, Paul is like the worst introduction you could get of somebody who's supposed to be something because we kind of know the story on the backside, right? Listen how Paul gets introduced in Acts 9.1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Can we just agree? Bad introduction, right? (laughs) Bad introduction as far as being used by God, accepted by Jesus, right? Eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest, he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. And whenever you see followers of the way, that's what original Christians were called. That's what they called themselves before they took the name Christian, that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Paul hated Jesus. He hated Jesus. He hated Jesus' followers. He made his name going around, finding people who are following Jesus, putting them in chains, taking them back to Rome to be punished, many of them put to death. That's how Paul's story starts. Paul's story starts as a man who despised Christ and despised anyone who believed in him. Now let's do something. Let's jump all the way to some of the very last words that Paul penned. He was imprisoned in Rome, and he wrote to his, his young protege, Timothy, a letter. And this is most likely some of the last words that Paul ever penned before he was beheaded for his faith. Listen to what he says in 2 Timothy 4, 6-7. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. Would any of you guess that that would be the last words that Paul's pen after you just read that introduction? None of us would have read that first sentence in his book and imagined that the last sentence in his book was going to look like this. None of us would have imagined that the man who despised Jesus, who was going out chasing down his followers and murdering him, would one day write from a prison, soon I will be killed for my faith in this man named Jesus. But I've finished the faith. The faith. I've finished my race strong. Friends, when we look back in church history, 
Paul is regarded as one of the most influential, the most faithful Christians of all time. When Paul was here, he spread the gospel unlike anyone else. He planted churches like crazy. The Holy Spirit fell so powerfully on Paul that scriptures revealed it said that Paul was so filled with the Holy Spirit that literally if a rag touched his body, somebody could take that rag and touch somebody who was sick and they would be healed. That the Holy Spirit was so heavy on him and through him that it would just flow out of him almost accidentally. That God would just would use what he had touched to heal people. He was remembered as a great of the faith, and we would have never imagined that by the introduction we got. And this is why. The way your story ends is far more important than the way your story begins. The way your story ends is far more important than the way your story begins. Paul's story begins as someone who despised Jesus, someone who hated what he had done, yet by the end of his life, he had sacrificed everything to follow after Jesus. And how was he remembered? As a great, faithful man. People just gloss over the fact that he used to hate Jesus and kill Christians. They forget about that. Why? Because the way your story ends is more powerful. It's more important than the way your story begins. I believe that Jesus has this way of stepping into our story and dramatically shifting the direction our story is going. I believe that Jesus has this way of, once we meet him, beginning to write chapters that would have never existed in our life. I believe that when we meet Jesus, all of a sudden he takes all the work we had done writing these chapters of our story, of our life, and he begins penning completely different ideas. Friends, what happens with a situation like Paul, with a situation like so many of us, is if you were to read our life story, if somebody was just to crack open the book and go page by page by page, they would say, it's weird. It almost seems like right here, it changes authors. It's funny because up till here, as, as I read this book, right, as I flip through this book and I'm looking at it, it's like the same authors. And then all of a sudden right here, it's almost as if a, a whole different writer is writing this book. It's written from a different perspective. It has a whole different vibe. It has a whole different genre. The, the characters seem different. It, has, it lacks continuity, right? The guy used to murder Christians and he was hating them. And then all of a sudden he is one. Who wrote this story, right? It doesn't even make sense. I believe that Jesus has this amazing ability to step into our lives and redirect it. In in all those pages we had written up till then, the way our story begins has has very little effect sometimes on the direction that we're actually going to go from there out. Jesus says, it's okay you penned all those pages. Those aren't wasted. They got you to here. But I actually have a different story from here, from here on out. I have a different story that I want you to follow. I have a story that actually you were meant to follow from the very beginning. You were just writing this other stuff, just trying on your own. Let me author your story from here on out and watch where we get to. Watch where we get to. Paul had experienced this. He had seen this in his own heart and his own life so much that as the church in Philippi that he had planted, as they were trying to work out their faith, he wrote to them because these people were struggling in their faith and they're wondering, you know, we made all these mistakes, we've had all these troubles, and, and really we've messed stuff up. How are we going to get to where God wants us to go? And, and Paul says, oh, let me tell you, I've experienced it. He writes them in Philippians 1.6 and he says this, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. 
He says, if you're wondering how it's going to work out, if you're wondering how this book is going to end up in the right direction, I'll tell you how it is. He says, that same guy who came in and he got you to where you are today, he'll get you to the end. That same faithful God that took a man who despised him, who murdered his followers and made him into a leader and a pastor for people to chase after them and tell them, you need this man named Jesus. That same God who started it, he can finish it. Friends, the way your story starts does not determine the way your story ends. And the way your story ends is far more important than the way it begins. Everyone has a story. Now, what does this mean for us as a church? What it means for us as a church is that we believe in the power of stories. We believe in the power of stories. That, that your story has the potential to change people's lives. That people listening to your story affects their faith. That's why we, we encourage people to share their stories and groups, share their stories in relationship, because your story has power. Just like Jesus at Acts Church, we are not afraid of your past. We are not afraid of your past. There are so many churches you will go to, and people will be like, hey, were you always holy? And like, yeah, I was always holy. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, we were... <laughs> Good, I was hoping, because I was always holy, too. I've never, since birth, just prayer, love Jesus, never any problems, just holy, yes. Not here, no. We got some jacked-up sinners in this place. I have heard your stories, my friends. We got some jacked—some of you were downright good at sinning, weren't you? I mean, good at pro-level sinners. Not like amateur, not AAA. You were playing pro ball when it comes to sin, right? We were like, oh, I was good at it. I knew all about it. We have stories in this church where people will tell me, well, my past was this, this, and this. And they'll tell me, I'm like, and you're still alive. <laughs> wow, seriously, that happened? Really? You're still married? Wow, okay, this is amazing. Like, I, I, stories where you just go, oh my goodness, but... But friends, just like Jesus, we're not afraid of that past. Because we believe in the power of what's coming next. When we look at you, we don't say, here's your past, that's what's going to determine you. Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. When we meet people and they say, oh, you would never want to know about my past. We say, oh, I'd love to hear about your past. You know why? Because I'm excited about your future. Oh, I'm excited to hear about your past because I can't wait to see where God takes you and you look back and say, how did that guy end up here? How did that woman end up here? Oh, I love it. I love hearing those stories. They're encouraging to me. We believe that we are part of your story, a part of your story, and we consider that an honor. If you come and you be part of Acts Church, we don't believe your story ends here. It's not like, in the end, they went to Acts. No. We believe that there's a great story laying out ahead of you, that there's an amazing story that, that God is, is beginning to author ahead of you, and we want to be part of your story. We want to help you get to where it is that God has you. That's why one of our, our, our big focuses is our growth track. If you ever see it, it's always on the wall here in our auditorium. It's loved, saved, educated, trusted, and released, because we believe that a lot of people, your end-all, be-all of your faith isn't going to just be attending church here at Acts. There are going to be people who are going to go from this place, and they're going to go, go become, I mean, towers in industry. 
leading people and directing people. We believe that people are going to step into leading nonprofits. People are going to go and start foundations. People are going to go and go into the mission field. People are going to go and plant churches. People are going to go and be pastors. People are going to go and be disciples in different communities to be able to spread the gospel. We believe that your story continues on. And if we're part of your story, we are excited that we can help you get there. If it's to be here and it's to help with this mission, that's amazing. If it's something else that God directs, we want to encourage you and help you get to that location. Because we believe that God is authoring those next chapters in your life. When people become part of Acts, like I said, we think about how we can help their story along. Now, what does this mean for you? If you're part of Acts Church, it means that you don't ever have to be worried coming close to Jesus and coming close to Acts Church because of your past. You don't ever need to, to hold back from stepping out because, well, you don't understand everything that I've done. No, I, I don't, and I don't have to. Because Jesus doesn't look at us for who we are or what we've done. He looks at us for who we could be. That I've had people I know I've talked to who said, well, you know what? I, I couldn't join a subgroup. When Amy talks about joining a subgroup and, and people are talking about going and having community, I couldn't do that because all those people are all these Christians, and if I come in there and start talking about my life, they'd be like, you're not a Christian. And then you go and realize, wow, your lives are more jacked up than my life. I feel pretty good, actually, right? You realize all you people still struggle with these sins, too? Okay, awesome. I have a community here. This is great. Oh, you would never get... I used to struggle with this. Oh, I struggled with that for years. Don't worry about that. But have you ever struggled with this? No. Okay, well, good. Awesome, right? And you find this community. People pull back and say, I don't know if I could ever serve on a team. You know what I mean? Like me helping with this, with like a church service. Oh, man, I got, I got messed up stuff in my life. No, you don't, you don't serve because of who you are. You serve because of who Jesus believes you can be. Oh, I, still, I still have struggles. I still have, yeah, so do all of us. I still have struggles that I'm dealing with. I still have sins that I'm rooting out of my life to this day. If I was to wait until everything would have got straight in my life to begin serving Jesus... I still wouldn't be a pastor, let alone start leading a college ministry 10 years ago. It was walking in faith and saying, God, I'm not strong enough to do this. And Jesus goes, yeah, I know. I am. You're just faithful. I'm just working through you. You just step out and say, well, I don't have us all figured out on this. Yeah, I know. But I see who you could be. Just start being faithful and walking in it. You don't ever have to pull back because of your past. You don't ever have to be afraid what Jesus is going to think, what Acts is going to think, because we believe that that's part of your story. Friends, you might have things that are in your past that you are ashamed of, you're embarrassed of, and you want to forget. And I don't think we ever need to go back and revel in our past, revel in our, our sin, but I also don't think we're supposed to forget it. Because that past is what got us to here. Friends, those struggles, those pains, very, very often people will say, oh man, that was the worst season in my life. I don't even want to talk about that. But it is what led me to Jesus. And you go, well, that's what led you to Jesus? Yeah. Well, then maybe we shouldn't forget that story. Maybe we shouldn't forget that past of, of addiction or of abuse or whatever it was because that's what, that's what opened your eyes. I know it's not a pretty part of your story, but that's what got you here. Friends, I think there's beauty in the fact that our stories start so broken and end up in a completely different place. That for us as Christians, what we should do is every single one of us, we should sit down and we should think about our story and we should write it with just three, three pieces. It should be like this. I was, I met Jesus, I am. 
I was, I met Jesus, I am. And when people see what you were and who you are, there's this shocking realization of these aren't two people, these, these aren't the same two people, and you say, right, because in the middle, as I said, I met Jesus. I can tell you what mine is. I was hateful and cold. I had a cold heart that was getting colder and colder and colder and colder and colder. I really didn't believe in the value of anyone around me, to be honest with you. I love my close family. Everyone else, you're a tool to get me where I want to go. You're just a stepping stone. I don't care about your feelings. I don't care about who you are. Men, women, anybody, doesn't matter. My life is valuable. I don't care about yours. I met Jesus. Now I have love. I look at people's lives and I say, how can I help you? How can I help you get to where God wants you to be? How can I help you walk through this season well? My heart is completely different on both sides. How? I met Jesus in between. Every one of us should look at our lives like that story. We should be able to say that. And people ask you sometimes. People will ask you that question. Why do you believe? Why do you have faith? And people start talking about all this weird, you know, religion. And oh, well, this, you know, and the fossil records don't show. Shut up. None of that. (laughs) I was. I met Jesus. I am. Yeah, but what about evolution? What about this? Ah, I was. I met Jesus. I am. I don't know about the rest, but I can tell you, I didn't do this. That's why I believe in Jesus. I'm a different person. Read the story of my life, and you'll notice, hmm, that same chapter, same chapter, same chapter, weird. All of a sudden, this switches. Why? I stopped penning my own life, and I gave the pen to Jesus and said, you write it. And when he started writing my life, it changed. As part of Acts Church, it means that you have the responsibility to never be afraid of people's past either. I'm not Acts Church. We're Acts Church. You're going to meet people in groups. You're going to meet people serving. You're going to meet people just in community. And people are going to tell you about their past. And don't you dare recoil. Don't you dare be afraid or step back. You stay right there with them. Because we serve the God that takes whatever your chapters were leading up to today. And he writes a new story from here on out. Some of you have a problem. You get disappointed in yourself. You have this this issue where you started your faith. And what happens is, is... You've looked forward to who you want to be. But every time you look at who you are, you get depressed and you get disappointed. You've looked forward to who it is that you believe God wants you to be, but you say, but I still struggle with this. And I still did this this last weekend. And I still went out with him and I still went out with her and I still smoked that and I still did that and I still said that and I still looked at that. And there can be this this place where you get so depressed, and you beat yourself up and think, I'm never going to be that person. I'm never going to be that person. Friends, you need to remind yourself of Philippians 1.6, where Paul says to these Philippians, he says, I'm certain. I'm certain. I'm not, I'm not just hoping. I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That when you look at yourself and you get depressed, what you do is you stop just for one second, and because you know how these stories go, you hadn't erased those past stories, and you look back to your past. And you go, I might not be that person yet, but I'm not that person anymore. And the same God who took me from there to here can take me from here to there. 
that I don't know how it's going to happen, but if he was powerful enough to take that man or that woman and turn me into this, I believe he's powerful enough to take me from here all the way to where he wants me. Every single one of us have a story. All of us have a story. Don't you ever be embarrassed about what yours is. All of us have one. And your story is your testimony to this world. Who I was, I met Jesus, who I am. Pray with me. God, I thank you so much for what a great God you are. I thank you so much that you are that God of Philippians 1.6, that when you start something in us, you don't ever give up halfway and just go home. You stick it out with us. You help us through it. You see that beauty deep down inside of us that we can't even see in ourselves, that we look in the mirror and we say sinner, and you look at us and you say saint, saint. You see who we can be with your help. God, I pray that you would lodge that deep down in our heart, that you would give us a confidence that does not come from our own ability to follow you, does not come from our own ability to do what's right, but comes from an understanding of the fact that with your help, we can get to where you want us to be. We can get to where we are intended to be. Jesus, I pray that you would build confidence in each one of us, and I pray that you would bring to mind our stories, and they would be told as evidence of your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.